Authentic digs in. Improbable to the outside second. Tis the law trying to make a run down the center of the track. But it's authentic in front. He won the Derby. He won the Breeders' Cup Classic. He's authentic indeed. He won it by two and a half. And there was improbable second, followed by global campaign in third. If everybody had a Larry Comis on NBC Sports with the call of Authentic winning the 2020 Breeders' Cup Classic at Keeneland in Lexington, Kentucky. We're heading west, though, this year, Kelsey, uh, to Del Mar, where the surf meets the turf, hence Surfing USA. How we doing? Westward, ho! Sorry, that was... I know it was more of a you know beachy theme, but that's where my mind went when you said we're headed west. We are so. headed west, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> um, you know, I get excited about breeders and yet not excited about breeders. Um, it's like kind of one of those things where I'm like, oh, I know and am occasionally, but not often a real horse racing fan. Um, and so I can get more excited about breeders than most people who probably have never heard about it. Right. Um, right. But basically it means that two days of my life I spend hundred percent alone with my children. <laughs> and so I have uh, mixed feelings, we'll say, about um, Breeders' Cup, but I know it's the big deal for true horse fans. And so that makes me excited. Um, I just am going to bring up, you know, the elephant in the horse racing room today, which is that uh, Miguel Mena was killed on Sunday or Monday. Yeah, I think um, it was in an accident either late Sunday night or early. I, I don't know because they, they said he was killed on I-64. Was he literally walking across the interstate? And why would he do um, such a it thing? Seems, it seems that he was a pedestrian on or near the interstate and that there was some question as to why he was there. Um, now, for me, my mind went to it's Halloween, um, but then looking at, I think, the hour of it was... You know, not not somebody who's out trick or treating and got a little too close to the interstate. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was. It's a, a sad day um, for the the horse racing world, and um, I feel like jockeys. Maybe I'm just more used to it, but they they tend to sometimes you know run into accidents. For example, when they're racing, and so there is a lot of kind of heavy occurrences in the sport generally speaking um and it can get very i think real um very quickly and this was just sad you know it's something that um was upsetting um and obviously something that will be impacting uh, churchill downs uh next year quite a bit yeah he um, was so. um he, I, I didn't realize this until i, I read up about miguel mena but he was he's our age 34 Oh, right. I know. Um, and he's a, a name that I've known for a long time because he wrote his fair share at Arlington. Um, exactly. And he was never among the top riders in the country, but he's a name that people knew, right? He's part of the jockey colony at Churchill Downs, and that's no small feat um, for, for the jockey community. So, And um, a pretty winning jockey within the last few years, it looks like. I yeah. was, was kind of like you, a little surprised to see just how well he'd been doing. Um, because the name was familiar, I believe, for a couple of years anyway. He was one of Bob's favorite jockeys. Mm -hmm. 
so I've, you know, was more familiar with him. Sorry, I'm, it's not a beer, it's water. <laughs> um, I was perhaps more familiar, you know, than some others would have been just because of my father-in-law's excitement yeah, um, for his racing. But yeah, it was a bummer. And, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see if there's anything, any impact next year um, at Churchill, you know, not a name that's, that's as big in the racing world or big enough to really um, take away anything from Breeders Cup, but still just something that's a, a bit sad. Yeah. I mean, he, he, like I said, he wasn't, um, you know, among the best jockeys in the country or, or the world even. Exactly. So I'm not even sure he would have been in California this weekend to ride um, in the Breeders' Cup races, although Churchill is also racing, so I'm sure he would have been on some horses there. Um, yeah. So Breeders' Cup for me is, uh, I know I talked about this last week, how I sort of have a love-hate relationship with Breeders' Cup, because um, from a horse racing fan perspective, it is absolutely the best two days of racing that we are going to get in the calendar year, right? Best horses, best jockeys, best trainers, um, top ownership groups um, coming together for two days of 14 races across divisions, across surfaces, across distances. I mean, it's the best of the best. From a betting perspective, I mean, it's a fucking crapshoot. Just throw a dart. Any one of these horses can win <laughs> these races. So I was, I couldn't remember why you said that you weren't like 100% with the last time we Look, talked and I was like what's he gonna bring out here I, now. <laughs> I, I love it's it it's hard to bet don't get me wrong yeah it's 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 sure. not some it's not a, a day a two days of racing where you can walk away upset with losing because no matter what no matter what you handicap it's just you know all these horses are coming off wins I mean not all of them but it's um it's, it's just ridiculous to figure out who's going to win these races especially with the with the bigger fields and the shorter races Last year, I did just a ton of exhaustive, I'll, I'll call it research, into these horses, mm -hmm. um, and I watched way too much uh, video. <laughs> so I tried, to, I tried to scale it back this year, um, and really, uh, what, what I did this year, instead of just watching replay upon replay, because I felt like I prepared for Breeders' Cup as if I was broadcasting Breeders' Cup, right? Trying to okay. know as much as I could about these horses, rather than handicap the races, Okay. So this year, I tried to, I still watched a good amount of video, and I'm not quite done yet, although I'm done with um, the big one. So I'll, I'll give my selection for the Breeders' Cup Classic, which is the big one, um, you know, quote unquote. Obviously, they're all big, but uh, that's the $6 million race. Um, mm -hmm. So I tried to visualize and try to figure out what was going to happen in these races, right? So I, I drew little diagrams of the racetrack and tried to figure out who was going to be where, when, and um, you know, what I thought was going to happen in these races. So we'll see how that strategy plays out. Um, it is going to be a lot of fun. It's nice to have good weather, which is part of the reason they go to California, it seems, every other year, right, to get good weather. Um, I think it was maybe 2006. <laughs> oh, my God. If only we had the video portion for this podcast going. Are you distracted, Brady? <laughs> I can't imagine why. Just tell our listeners what you're seeing. I'm seeing a very hairy-chested man um, <laughs> snap his belt sure at me. I sure hope the audio gets that belt oh, snap. Well, I don't think it did, but uh, people can envision a, a hairy-chested uh, man snapping <laughs> his belt directed at me, not at you. It's 100% nope, directed not at, at me. me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's – uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> 
Oh man, where was I going? Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, yeah. Well, I I lost my thought before because I was not listening to you because Kevin was in the background going, <laughs> "Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch what's gonna happen." Yeah, he so got me. I was. I, you're saying something about 2006. Oh, and it might have um, been something about. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I'm a great co-host. Th- thank you. Yes. Um, the reason I wasn't that, listening except a year. It's fine. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, um, I was saying the, the one of the reasons they go to California every other year is because of the weather, right? Southern California, you're basically guaranteed to get nice weather, and that's going to be the case tomorrow. I think I saw like upper 60s, no rain. You're going to get a fast track, firm turf. It's going to be great. Um, I think it was 2006 or 2007. They were at Monmouth Park, which is in New Jersey. And what we know about the Midwest and the Northeast this time of year, it's you just never know what you're going to get weather-wise. So I think it, it came up with a sloppy track and probably soft turf, and that's just no fun for anyone, um, horses, betters, and anybody. So um, I, I was actually listening to a podcast about the Breeders' Cup, and, and one of the guys was bitching about the fact that the Breeders' Cup never goes to New York. Well, it's the upper yeah. Northeast in in early November, right? You just never know. There could be a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah. Um, I also think it used to, maybe I'm remembering this poorly, but I feel like it's, it, it's been switching off between Kentucky, whether it be Churchill or Keeneland. Correct. Yep. Um, so it's going between those and, and the California tracks. Yep. And I think that when you have success and it's going well, you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's, it's it's sort of like when it's West Coast, it gets pretty late in the day. Yep. That's that's the drawback. Is um, yeah. you know tomorrow, I think the last race goes off about six thirty Central, which isn't awful. Uh, Saturday no, though, the the horrible. the classic is going to go off probably about seven thirty Central time. So um, <laughs> I hearken back to um, when we were in our younger days and pre kids. You guys were doing your Halloween party. Um, and it ah, seemed yes. to, it seemed to always fall. We fun. <laughs> it seemed to always yeah, fall it. on, on Breeders' Cup Saturday. And, uh, multiple mm-hmm. times I can remember going straight from the track to your house for, uh, Halloween festivities. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, Breeders' Cup, uh, like I mentioned, it's, it's the best of the best. It's going to be a, a blast. It's a celebration of the sport. Uh, but it brings up some memories like Zenyatta. Think about Zenyatta. Uh, she won it. Oh, she won it in. I think it was 2010. She won the classic, and then her final race. This is an all-time race call from, uh, I believe it was Trevor Denman at Churchill Downs. Oh, that was a great call. Uh, I remember that. When she lost by a head to blame, um, and was it a head or a nose? It was a head. It was, it was a head. A head okay. Yeah. And that was, I couldn't remember. I can't remember if that was her first race on real dirt because back then the California tracks were still synthetic surfaces. So there was some question oh. about whether or not she could handle the dirt. Early on in that race, she got a lot of dirt kicked back in her face, which doesn't normally happen on synthetic tracks. So sure. um, she was not used to that. She was the best horse in that race, but ends oh, her career 19 God, and 1 instead her. of 20 and 0. She was the best. That's part of the problem with horse racing, right? Is these horses, which are supposed to be the stars, are around for a year, two years, yeah. outside of the Triple Crown Trail, right? Horses like um, uh, Medina Spirit this year, Essential Quality. I mean, we already know Essential Quality is going to be retired mm-hmm. after this after this Breeders' Cup Classic. He's three years Absolutely. old. Absolutely. The, yeah. the average sports fan is never going to hear that name again, right? Mm-hmm. So a horse like Zenyatta is what horse racing needs, a, a star that's going to keep coming back to the races, where it's an event every time they run, 
unfortunately for just the nature of elite horse racing, that happens once every month and a half, two months, right? Yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot of problems with the the horse racing as a sport and trying to garner new fans, but um, that's just one of them. And then, um, you know, I think uh, think back to the Kentucky Derby this year. Uh, it seems, seems like a long time ago. Medina Spirit wins the race. We still don't know if he's going to be held up as the Kentucky Derby winner because that whole thing with the drug and Bob Baffert is still in the court system. We have no idea whether or not Medina Spirit is going to be um, held up as the winner of the Kentucky Derby this year. But here he is in the Breeders' Cup Classic on Bob Baffert's home turf. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that race plays out. I'll give my pick for that a little bit later on. Uh, I know you have some history stuff coming up. Uh, we should mention the Bears, of course, losing to who they play this past week. It was oh the Niners. Niners. Yeah, the Niners. Jimmy G was in town, and I can't believe I knew that off the top of my head. <laughs> there's been I a lot going through my really head this week. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a lot in the sports world, and I only know like two things in the sports world. <laughs> so I get, I get that you wouldn't maybe, but I conjured that up so fast. I'm so proud. Yes, of myself. you did. Yes, you did. Jimmy Garoppolo. Actually, go ahead. This this week, I said to Kevin, um, like, what should I talk about on the podcast, which I don't often do. I typically look at my own stuff and or, as you know, unfortunately, just don't look at anything and <laughs> you 100% carry the show. Um, but this week I was asking him, like, what should I talk about? And he was too busy trying to figure out what to have for dinner um, <laughs> to give any shits about what I was asking him. So I came up with the fact and while I say came up with it's just their opponent it was not that big a deal but I was able to recollect that with no help from anybody <laughs> well done no google no husband just my memory <laughs> you're welcome um you're I welcome. I wanted to forget that game because I, the last few years um I, I guess even going back to 2018 because I felt like we were playing with house money a little bit um even, even after the double doink game I was like I never saw 12 and 4 coming this season um, double doing what a <laughs> horrible term have we talked about how much I dislike that term really it, it's so wrong doink doink <laughs> but it, it's a horrible word here's the thing with it's sports though like word. things or events get named something right like spygate where the patriots spied on a I forget who it was yeah, okay um and maybe maybe the Rams. And anyways, um, uh, Deflate Gate, right where Tom Brady was deflating mm -hmm. the the mm -hmm. footballs under the legal limit. Um, the double doink, right? These things get singular names, oh, and so we just bad. never know them as anything else, right? It took me a second mm -hmm. to re remember the name of the Bears kicker, Cody Parkey, who missed that kick. Um, mm -hmm. again, it shouldn't take me, you know, more than a couple seconds to uh, remember that guy. But um, anyways, um where I was going yeah. with this. I really How you doing haven't there, Brady? <laughs> I really haven't had expectations for this Bears team the, over the last few years uh just because just you know just hasn't gotten better uh to this point. Yeah. We're seeing signs, but um I felt like that was a winnable game and on Sunday I was as a Bears fan as pissed off about a loss as I was since the double doink game. Oh. Cuz I okay. I just felt like that was a, a very winnable game. A struggling 49ers offense. Justin Fields played a really good game, had some spectacular plays. I was impressed with him, I will say. Yeah. I was very impressed with him. It was good to see that there is progress being made there and that he's got, you know, it's, 
I say this a lot. I think in Chicago, we get really down on QBs. And I don't know if it's just, I, I don't know if it's just QBs or if it's general, because I think we're kind of similar on coaches. Um, if we're just too harsh or if this is how it should be. Um, but it it's upsetting to me, like, maybe it's just I'm too feely for sports. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I get like a little bit like, why are we giving these people, you know, let's give them another chance. It's all good. It's well, fine, et cetera. And to that point. It was nice to see. It was really nice to see. <laughs> To that point, you know, we haven't had that guy in town to where we can excuse him for having a bad game, right? Ah, uh, okay. We haven't had a I Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning type. Now, that's Who the had upper, a bad game. Right, that's the upper echelon of the upper echelon. But we haven't even had like a, um, I'm trying to think of like a middle of the, we haven't even had like a Matt Stafford, right? Matt Stafford's never really done anything in the playoffs. That's not on him. That's on the Detroit Lions. Rams are probably your Super Bowl favorite right now um, with Matt Stafford at the helm. But Matt Stafford has always been just a, a great quarterback. We've never had one of those guys who we know what we're getting from week in and week out mm -hmm. to excuse him for having a bad game because professional athletes are we the perfect. only fan base with that problem, though? Or like, let me introduce you just... to the New York Jets <laughs> who we are playing right now, actually. <laughs> Um, I think it we might be halftime. We could definitely talk about the Jets. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, they're playing right now. and uh, I, So I, I posted on Facebook after, um, not speaking of the Jets, but um, after that game, I, was, I, I posed the question. I was like, would you rather be a Detroit Lions fan? The Detroit Lions okay. are winless on the season. Would you rather be a Detroit Lions fan and not have to waste your Sunday watching three hours of shitty football because you know what you're going to see? Or okay. would you be a Bears fan and be tortured like that for three, three and a half hours? What were the results? Most, well, mixed. Uh, let me see if I can pull okay. it up here. Um, and what, what's your response? I think I know it, but. Um, I don't know what my response is, honestly, because I've been in that spot where I don't even turn on the Bears game because I know what I'm gonna see and it's just i'd rather spend three hours really? doing something else yeah i mean when, when they're you, when they're shitty i mean do? they're not gonna win anything i i got shit to do i'll clean the house i'll do the dishes go grocery shopping whatever right if something happens i'll catch up on it but it's of no consequence that i miss the bears game right mm -hmm. even though the bears in this town when it comes to fandom it's the one thing we have uniting all of us right you either Cubs or Sox. You probably like either the Bulls or the Blackhawks. Not both. Um, I guess that's not entirely true, but they're different fan bases. But the seasons. Yeah, yeah. but the seasons kind right. of. Yeah, I could see that. A lot yeah. of people don't understand hockey and therefore won't watch the Blackhawks. And um, Although I, I'll, I will say this. I am getting into this Bulls thing. Kevin ah. will be proud of me. I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> buddy, look at you getting on the bandwagon. Well, I got to watch something in I the mean, time. look at you getting excited. <laughs> uh, the Hawks finally got their first win, by the way. Um, I did not know that. Still, I am not typically someone who cares a whole lot about hockey. Yeah, um, yeah. Still just one but win, okay. but they got one, finally. Uh, it took, mm -hmm. I think it was their 10th game. They finally got the first win. Um, and then they gave away Cute. a two-goal lead uh, last night. So, yeah, back to normal for the okay. Blackhawks. Um, 
continue and that's Fallout, all the time the we need way. to spend on them today <laughs> well i was going to bring up they they did finally x out that guy's name from the stanley cup ah okay <clears throat> um and there's there was a lot of um criticism thrown jonathan taves way i don't know if you caught any of that no i i did not actually so i, I didn't see any of it except when you brought it to my attention last week and honestly i didn't see anything since then yeah so part of the report was that you know a couple blackhawks players were like oh everybody knew what was going on everybody was giving this guy who we now know as kyle beach um everybody was you know giving this guy a hard time about what happened and Mm -hmm. everybody knew about it well jonathan taves captain of the team um you know, claimed to not know what was going on at the time. So a lot of people are, mm-hmm. um, you know, not buying that from from Jonathan Taves. And uh, it's just, you know, it's it's one thing in sports when something happens to a team and you're like, yep, got to bury him. But then it's your own team. And you try to you try to understand what happened. And it, it's it's difficult to watch, though, you know, your own team deservedly so you know, get dragged through the mud because of what they didn't do at the time. And now they are at the bottom of the league, both Mm -hmm. on the ice and not very highly thought of off the ice. Um, Yeah. The Wirtz, Rocky Wirtz, the owner, still maintains that he doesn't know the investigation, didn't find any reason to believe that um, he knew what was going on, but I'm not buying that. You know, you're you're the owner of a. Is there a reason you believe Taves more than you believe Rocky Wirt? I'm not sure. I believe Taves. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I was just saying, like it's 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 tough to see a guy who we've thought so highly of for so long have this criticism heaped on him and have people clamoring to take the C off his chest because sure. he probably was aware of what was going on at the time, and for whatever reason, didn't speak up about it, didn't do the right thing. I don't know. I wasn't around the team back then. Neither were you. We'll never know probably exactly what Jonathan Taves knew or didn't know. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I guess that's what happens with sports heroes sometimes is they get, um, you know, brought down a few pegs and the, the Blackhawks are in that spot right now. So, it, look, the, the fallout's not over. I, I still don't buy that Rocky Wirtz didn't know. Um, okay. It's like, have you ever watched like a, a show like um, 24 or something where the president has to like covertly authorize a mission and they want to preserve plausible deniability? Does that term ring a bell? Oh my God. Why have none of my friends ever watched the West Wing? <laughs> what the actual fuck? I still, I still haven't watched that. Of course I've seen one that does that. It's the best one there is, Brady. Watch it. And I, <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, fuck. I don't know if that's a real thing in real life, but I feel like that maybe is what happened here. <laughs> Right? Yeah, no, I, I could see that, right? Like, I, I don't want to know anything more than I need to know. Right. And that way, I when I'm asked about it later, I can absolutely say no. Not, uh, not that Rocky Wirtz is going to be under oath, although I, I, I suppose at some point he might be, right, if there's subpoena involved and depositions and everything. But, it's a um, lawsuit, I imagine, if right. it goes into, yeah, I mean. They, they're engaged I, in I settlement talks not. with Kyle Beach. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I believe it'll settle, but I don't know if, like, depositions are part of settlements, which I believe that they are. That is an oath. 
it's not on right. a, it's not part of a trial, but you're under oath when you give a deposition. Right. Um, so that could be certainly part of that. Yeah, um, I, I could definitely see John McDonough, who was the president, CEO, whatever, whatever he was at the time. Right. I think he only reported to Rocky Wirtz. Mm -hmm. I could see him saying to Rocky in the hallway, Rocky, there's a situation. We're going to deal with it. You don't need to know any more mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And that's it. I could see that, too. Yeah. So. Well, and I think it, it becomes a question of, and this is on a much milder level, but um, Kevin and I talked about this recently, which is how much upper management knows about the day-to-day -day at, at my job, right? right? Like at your job, at any job, um, those, those people who are the more strategic planners, thinkers, you know, we used to call them exec row, they had yep. the windowed offices, right? Like <laughs> right. Nice those people, mm -hmm. those people are not, I mean, kind of by nature, they're not detailed people. They're not the people who are handling day to day. And, you know, again, this is not something that I would consider day to day. Um, but I could see where something kind of gets shuffled. Um, I don't think it's okay by any means. Right. I'm going to put that out there. No, like for that's sure. unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do see the, you know, real parallels between that and something, you know, obviously much less important by far, um, than what happened there. Well, I, and I know you've seen the show undercover boss and by no means am I comparing real life to undercover boss or, or I guess vice versa. Um, but the premise is that the owner, CEO, whatever, comes down to do the grunt work and has no idea what happens. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm relating it to, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I worked at Jimmy John's, corporate had their ways of doing things that were nothing like the way we did them in the store because they were yeah. either more efficient or just easier, faster, whatever, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a corporate way and then there's the real world way. Yeah, and on a tangent off of that, I think the truly successful companies are the ones who can take, um, especially franchise models, can take a corporate or kind of more um, home office type approach and actually have that permeate. I think that, yeah. that that shows that you've done it successfully. If you can take your culture and successfully get it to your front line, that's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, so now we're like way off of where we started, but <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there that I think that's very difficult to do. And I think that those are going to be your more successful places. And so again, yeah. I think in some ways the day to day would escape somebody like Rocky words. I just don't mm -hmm. consider this day to day. And right. I don't, and I think the people who took the report shouldn't have considered this day to day. This never should have been something where they said, like, we're going to take care of it. I right. Mean, that should have been something brought in a very obvious way. So. Right. Well, and I think it and, was... And I mean, it's, it's coming back to bite him 11 years later. Well, I mean, just look what like, happened to Joel Quenville. He was yeah. forced to resign as the head coach of the Florida Panthers 11 years later. Nothing he did as the head coach of the, of the Florida Panthers Correct. affected this decision. But after meeting with the commissioner, after knowing what we know... After apparently he lied about, um, you know, whether whether he knew or not to what level, I don't know. But, um, you know, he said that he was unaware until this past summer and then come to find out he was in a meeting, you know, shortly after they clinched the uh, the Western Conference about yeah. this. So 
clearly got, he knew. got bit in the ass <laughs> yeah. a bit there. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I'm, you know, I, transitioning slightly into really horrible things happening in the sports world that are not actually about the sport itself. Um, you know, obviously the Las Vegas Raiders story um, with rugs and yeah. the horrible occurrence of him being, I think, twice the legal limit for yep. alcohol, basically like three times the legal speed limit, um, you know, before hitting somebody and, and killing her and her dog. Yeah. That in there too. That's also very sad. Um, not nearly as awful, of course, as the fact that she didn't make it. But, you, you know, one of the things that struck me when I was reading up about that, because I did take a look at it. I mean, he's 22. Mm-hmm. He's very young. Um, a mistake like this i mean we've all made mistakes probably where we've had too much to drink and gotten behind the wheel of a car um but what really stuck out for me was one of the lawyers saying you know this is somebody who has never been held accountable for something like this yeah and i I think it's really true i think what we're seeing is something that happened 11 years ago it's still they're still being they're being held accountable i mean finally let's be Mm -hmm. real it should have happened a long time ago but this guy, whether he kind of, I know a lot of people skates or, or what happened. I think the thought though is the same is these people have to be held accountable. Um, and so sports and athletes and idols and, you know, entertainment and Hollywood and across all of these different <sighs> media, I guess, I mean, you know, different enterprises. It's It's hard for me to come up with the word for it, but like, there's just a sense of accountability that I don't think that there always has been. It's a little, um, it's a little exhausting sometimes when sure. something good happens to somebody. And this is uh, a lesser extent ex- example, but something good happens to somebody. And within an hour, somebody has dug up a tweet from 12 years ago where they said something inappropriate. And, and now they're vilified. Um, that's just a you know a lesser extent example. Obviously, what what the Blackhawks did and didn't do mm. is rightly coming to coming back to bite them in the ass, right? John McDonough mm-hmm. was fired a while ago. Um, Joel Quenville fired from the Blackhawks, presumably for for on ice performance, but we never really got a reason why Joel Quenville was fired. Um, you know, at, at least at least a reason that I necessarily bought um, because you're Joel, very skeptical. There's just, there was just there's like, you could tell there's something more right yeah, um, and, I, yeah and whether we knew that this story was coming down the pipeline um, look Patrick Kane has been a star since day one if you remember back in I want to say it was 2015 right before training camp was when he was accused of something with a with a woman maybe maybe rape um, yeah. he was accused of some sort of misconduct it, it wasn't the taxi cab thing. That was earlier in his career. Um, I think it had something to do with a girl. And um, the Blackhawks allowed him to come to training camp. And I thought, okay, if the Blackhawks are allowing Patrick Kane to come to and participate in training camp, they must know something that we don't. Right? They must know that he's going to be cleared, exonerated, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way they would let... Do you still feel that way? <laughs> well, I don't know now. Things are different now. But this is the same franchise who... Um, there was a, uh, the hockey equivalent of a sideline reporter um, who worked for 
Uh, back then, it was Comcast Sports Network, which okay, yeah. um, the Blackhawks have partial ownership in. And she was doing reporting on the Hawks games, and um, somebody unearthed uh, YouTube videos from years prior of her and a friend scantily clad doing comedic videos. And the Blackhawks okay. had her fired. Oh. And I was like, wait, this is Dude. the same franchise that had a reporter fired because she was making satirical comedic videos while wearing next to nothing. While not working for the yes. Blackhawks. Yes, she was. She was indeed. Yeah. And yet he was not, nor was he, nor was he. Right, so. but <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, this is the same franchise who did that. If they're having this guy who's been accused of sexual misconduct come to sure. and participate I get in training where you're camp, coming. yeah, yeah. They, they must know well, something. My, my question or my, my challenge, I guess, there would be, now I wouldn't necessarily think that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if you're if you're looking back at it, they just weren't making great decisions. And what do you? <laughs> you're right. And I'm not I'm not saying either way that. You know, I I think it is a fine line. You know, somebody gets accused of something, or someone has a potential something. What do you do with that? And it's very hard to make those decisions in the moment. And I don't envy those people, which is why I don't do what they do. Right. Um. But I think there is more consideration being given. I think in certain times that leads to punishment the other way, which is I didn't do anything and it was all, it was proven that I didn't do anything, but I was penalized regardless. And that's really not fair. So it, I mean, I think it's kind of both ways. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I look forward to maybe some just thought reflection learning from some of these things some caution as we go forward because yeah. there is accountability in certain spheres i'm not saying that i think everything is uh you know coming up roses and this man killed a, a woman and yeah oh he, you know, he's, but he's I, gonna I just, get he's gonna get his due which is gonna be prison time um whether he sees the football field again probably not um he's a 22 year old kid who made a uh, an awful mistake and he's going to pay for it. No doubt. Um, after, after that, whatever his sentence is, I'm sure he'll be free to pursue whatever opportunity he can find. Um, you know, that's assuming that somebody will have him. I, you know, in this, in this cultural climate, it's unlikely that an NFL team will ever even kick the tires on him again. No pun intended. Um, I mean, honestly, the, the potential for him to spend in jail would put him possibly outside of football yeah. playing age period that's that that's I, mean, I know also, he's only 22 but yeah but i mean i, I yeah, saw the max up was to 20, 20 years for one of the charges right that's just for i think the vehicular manslaughter that doesn't include the speeding it doesn't include the dui or maybe it does but there are additional things that could be added well on he so had a passenger in the car him. too who uh hurt her arm pretty badly so there's that too i mean he's going to be charged for that so um, yeah, that's, that's, um, you know, I, I actually saw, uh, not long ago, I, I didn't read much into it, but Derek Carr, his quarterback said that, um, you know, he would, he would be there for him in, in whatever way he could. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, that's sort of a, a teammate and a friend, um, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that he fucked up and he's going to pay for it. But, you know, sometimes when you, when you make a mistake, no matter what the, um, 
you know, level of that mistake is you need somebody in your corner. Um, yeah. you know, for I watched part of his interview. Yeah, Carr's Derek interview. Derek Carr's, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so that's um that that was uh an unfortunate bit of news. Um and of course <laughs> not to make light of it, but I immediately thought of the fantasy implications uh for fantasy football, uh with Henry Ruggs going out. So leave it to me to uh yeah. I can't even. <laughs> On a lighter football note. Kevin and I watched all of season one of Ted Lasso. Oh yeah, please um, give me a uh, non-spoiler review. Oh good. Yeah, I've heard that from everybody. Here, I'm gonna step up on my soapbox. We have had no fewer than a dozen people recommend the show to us. Yep. Because we are really slow to pick up on things, and typically, a lot of the time, we wait till they're done, and we can binge them like all at once. We don't like to wait for things, etc. Due to all of the hype, I assumed it would not be that good because of the hype being so big. Right. And I got to tell you, it was fabulous. It is a feel-good type, kind of funny, almost stupid, but also occasionally very feely show. Um, And the basic premise, for those who do not know, is that a... um, a recently divorced woman ends up with her ex-husband's soccer team. Of course, it's football in England, which right. is where they are. Yep. They're in London, so it's football. Um, and she decides to hire this guy, Ted Lasso, who is known in the States as a an American football coach at okay. the college level. And it's about his journey as he goes over to London um, the team dynamics, um, there's all sorts of stuff, his own personal life, but also just him kind of um, getting into the team. And it's so wonderful, and I highly recommend it. And it's on Apple TV+, Plus, which we now have a free seven-day trial to, and I am certain <laughs> we'll be probably getting at least another month so that we can pimp it out to uh, five friends and family. Um, because you Dibs. Have- Dibs. <laughs> yep right <laughs> going back to myspace so, days who's your top eight? Oh man it was just <laughs> like i really really did not think we would like it because of just how much hype it had i was right. pretty convinced that yeah. it couldn't be that good it's lovely i really liked it i highly recommend it we are through season one and we'll be watching season two Probably before we record next week. So. <laughs> nice. It's only like ten episodes. It's pretty short. Yeah. Which is are, nice. are they a half hour episode? Oh yeah, it's easy. Knock it out in one night almost. It's easy, but like we have two kids, well, and yeah, like okay. we really probably Fair. don't have all this time to be watching. <laughs> but like Kevin's played no Call of Duty this. <laughs> I know. I know. What the hell? It's Ted Lasso's fault. Honestly, <laughs> okay. the first night we watched an episode, and then we were like, "Well, we can't go to bed now." Does it? And does we it hook you right away? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. you need to get a little bit used to. So J- Jason Sudeikis plays the main character Ted, yep. and I think you need to get a little bit used to his uh, eternal optimism. I'm a Cubs um, fan. Are you kidding character. me? What's that? I said I'm a Cubs fan. You talk, you talk about eternal optimism. I'm a Cubs fan. This might be better for you then. For <laughs> me. Um, it took me a little while to decide I didn't dislike his eternal optimism. Okay. Um, but I didn't dislike it. And I think that's a huge thing for a Sox fan. 
Um, and so I think it might take an episode, but like, yeah, by the time we watched the first one, we were like, let's watch the second one. And we were up until almost 1 a.m. We do not do. Right. Other than our new Buffalo trip. So I highly recommend it. Um, and I, I'm not the, the, let's just kind of roll on to a new topic. I'm not the kind of person who typically like starts Christmas the day after Halloween. <laughs> um, but I swear to God, my mother is over a couple of days a week watching my kids and Hallmark is already beating to death the countdown to Christmas. They're playing Christmas music um, already on 93.9. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened because my husband used to get like a little bit crabby with me when I set Christmas decorations up the day after Thanksgiving. And I was like, that's like hey, perfect timing. I said, I have a day off. This is great because <laughs> it can take some time. And so that's why that's why I set them up the day after Thanksgiving. It's not because I like need them to be up right away. When yeah. we were kids, I feel like we waited until December to set anything up. So like I Sounds always just right. assume yeah. that's what I do. I now am in awe of people who can do this stuff like on a weekend or a weeknight because I never could. So the day after Thanksgiving is convenient. And now I'm like, what is happening? Like <laughs> everything is turning over I into know. Christmas. I and know. it's not like just a few weird people. It's like most people are doing this. And I, I feel very left behind, but it's okay with me because I don't think I can handle Christmas quite this early. <laughs> I do think I need to buy things, right? We've all heard about these supply chain issues. Right. Yes. So, They're saying do your Christmas important. shopping early. And um, I think we, we might Lots have of gift touched cards. on gift cards and in-store shopping this year versus mm -hmm, uh, buying mm -hmm. stuff on, on, online because then you have a, a tangible gifts. thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. We're doing dates in February and stuff like forget this noise when we need to pick me up in January and February, that's when yep. we're going to do like Christmas because Christmas itself, in my opinion, I know now I'm talking about Christmas and I just said I don't <laughs> want to, but um, I love Christmas and, and maybe it's because I'm not a kid anymore, but presents are just so unnecessary for Christmas. I mean, <laughs> but you have you two young kids now, not that they need more toys, oh. but they don't, they don't give a crap, honestly. <laughs> no, I mean, that, they are yeah. just so excited to oh, see yeah. family. They love the trees. They think it's fun. There's, you know, at some point they will absolutely be all about presents. I will be mortified, but it will happen. Um, <laughs> and that's all there is to it. But like for right now, no, they're just, I mean, you could wrap up presents, or toys they already have, and they wouldn't even know it. They'd unwrap it and be like, cool, new toys. <laughs> no, like you're a goldfish. You have a 10 second memory. Yeah. Um, but I think there's this really cool thing that we'll talk about more, I hope, as we get closer to Thanksgiving. Um, Giving Tuesday, which was sort of a a mock up or a whatever of Black Friday. Right. Um, and Cyber and Monday. Tuesday, exactly, Cyber Monday. So Giving Tuesday is all about sort of deciding that the holidays are going to be your time to make your contribution. And I, of course, worked in fundraising um, or development when you want to be fancy and not say that your job is asking for money <laughs> Right. Um, for just six months, but it included the holiday season. Um, and it was a highly Jewish community. So there was a lot of um, Hanukkah focus. Um, so it was not just like a Christmas feel, um, which was really kind of cool to see. But the idea that a lot of these nonprofits wait for the holiday. So they maybe are lucky enough to have like an awareness month um, and where and we, they probably get a bump 
I was going to say, when you say wait, like they wait to ask, basically? They're just, yeah, like a lot, of, a lot yeah. of them will do like their heavy asks. You know, a lot of different places will do a an event, probably. You know, golf tournaments used to be huge. Yeah. They've kind of gone a little bit down, but summer events, most likely, or they'll they'll do a banquet, you know, in the spring or something like that. But yeah, they do so much of their asking and they're just, it's like how Black Friday I, I've heard is actually about stores being in the black for the first time all year, right? Yeah, it's I like mean, the well, first time that they're actually turning profit. Yeah, because e- e-commerce companies, I mean, the, those three, these three months make up their entire year. Yeah, I mean, the same almost can be said about charities. And so for our kids, one thing I'm really hitting hard is this idea of like, you get a lot because you're well-loved and people around you have the resources to show their love in that way. But you need to give that back too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've seen different traditions of you have to clear out toys and put them in Santa's sack to let him take away to the North Pole or to give to other kids and <laughs> in, in order to get your new ones and stuff. And I think it's cool. I think it's a little millennial, but I'm okay with that. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm like a tiny bit millennial parent. Um, it didn't but I exist just when love we were kids. Idea. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just love this idea that like our kids can understand that like being with people at the holidays is amazing. It's really what it's about. Yep. It's really what it should be about. Um, and if you really need a present, pick me up. In my opinion, it should come in February, which is the armpit of the calendar. It so, really is. I hate February. February sucks. It's awful. <laughs> From the, the only bright spot is two nephews who have birthdays. For me, that's it. Like, <laughs> that's nice. I right. love that. We get together usually for that. That's it. Everything else about February sucks. Like January, I can deal with because we're we're riding that holiday season high. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But then you start to come down from that holiday season high, the right? The very end of January starts to get ugly. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, ah, February. Karen's birthday is January 30th, so it's nice to be able to celebrate mom's birthday. Uh, oh, that's at the cute. End of January. Okay. I like that. Um, but February, I mean, it's 28 days of absolute grayness. Thank God it's a short month. Thank uh, God. Yeah, it's not a leap year. So, yeah, we get 28 days this coming February. <laughs> Now, I am personally a big March fan. Um, I know you as a March Madness, you know, is is big. Spring training um, baseball. I personally, you know, I have a birthday, but also my mom and dad both have birthdays in March. So it's Mm -hmm. like a big family month for us. Friend of the podcast, Um, Steve Marsh as well. Exactly. Uh, Corned beef and cabbage, which is the best meal on the planet. Yep. Very prevalent in March. Green is very big in March. Yeah really big fan of March. So if you can just get through February <laughs> to March, I feel like it's okay. Right. And I know that not everyone likes March as much as I do. Plenty of people think it's a crappy month and I understand that, but like, I think that's when it starts to look up again. That's, so it's that's that. the, the curse of a spring birthday. Cause yeah. I can't remember the last time it was a nice day on my birthday, April 10th. <laughs> I will tell you that um, for my birthday one year, there was a photo of me in a tank top. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the back deck. Um, and Simon was itty bitty and Simon was born in 2012. So March of 2012, we had awesome weather. Yep. And I don't, I, it was like a heat wave. <laughs> and there was probably six <laughs> inches of snow on the ground a week later. 
Exactly. <laughs> so by your birthday, it would have for yeah. sure been a couple feet of snow. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right though. March is when we start to come out of the winterness, and the we thaw. start to get yeah, I feel we like start the to thaw get starts. That's when the 40s as a temperature mm-hmm. range. That's when that's exciting. The 50s, and are, we think it's hot. Yeah. And we're like yes, as opposed to now <laughs> where we're like, oh my god, right. it's so cold. Right, right. Like, just wait, man. Just I wait. Know. Well, and and February is the last month of basketball for me like high school basketball okay yeah so sure. you know that's that's when it's like okay let's get this over with I, yeah you're done you're done <laughs> right. by then and i i want to talk a hot minute because you mentioned karen's birthday yeah. um mm-hmm. bob lachlan also has a birthday in january there you go he's the 19th and uh we went out for kevin's birthday last weekend with the the lachlans and had joked about uh stories that we're going to tell at bob's funeral and the eulogy came up somehow. And I said, well, we should just give you a living funeral. Those are so much more fun anyway. So Bob Lachlan turns Isn't that called 70. a roast? Well, exactly. <laughs> but I'm calling it a living funeral because <laughs> Becky globbed onto that idea so fast. Of course she so did. my father-in-law turns 70 in January, and we're hosting uh, host the roast of Bob Lachlan. And uh, we're going to do a living funeral and everyone gets to tell their story and do their eulogy. And uh, Bob's always said that he wants his uh, funeral at a bar and he doesn't want anyone to be sad. And he's, I said, well, shit, we can do that while you're alive. He's so. Irish. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Now that we've gone through our whole calendar. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything you wanted to talk about before we get to this week? And. I don't don't think so. I think we covered it. Um, I will say that uh, just wrapping up on the sportsy stuff, um, not looking forward to Monday night because the Bears are about to get embarrassed on national TV yet again because it always happens that way. And then we get two weeks to bitch about it because they're off the next week. So on with the history. Correct. Yeah. Um, 1922, November 4th. Sorry, today we are recording. It's November 4th, Mm -hmm. 1922. Um, I have a feeling that something having to do with elections is going to come up because this is like election week, right? Tuesday was technically election day in the United States. Um, so my first guess is going to be something election related. Okay, so elections do come up here, um, but not on this particular one. This one is um, not U.S. oriented. Um, there is some British involvement and there is also some African involvement. November 4th, 1922. Does it have something to do with South Africa? It does not. Further North Africa. Oh, uh, no. Sparked something in my head there, but I I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'll do, I'll say it's uh, the ancient history. It's from 1922, but it pertains to King Tut's tomb discovered? You got it. There you go. The ancient yes, history was Howard the Carter and his workmen discover a step leading to the tomb of King Tut. I want you to know that they got there in 1891. Who's they? Um, the the Carter, Howard Carter, who's the archaeologist whose team discovered. So it was a whopping uh, 31 years later <laughs> that he actually found something. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> and that is fucking dedication. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, November 26th, 1922 was when they actually entered into the interior chambers 
um, and found them miraculously intact. We all know why, or do we not, Brady? Do you know why King Tut's tomb was so well kept? Um, I don't. I was a bit of an Egypt nerd as a kid, so maybe not everyone knows this. Uh, I, I don't. Share. Okay, so King Tut's, King Tut's pyramid, uh, he was only 18 when he died, and right. um, they began building pyramids when the kings were born. Um, and so being so young, his pyramid is actually quite small and was covered in sand. Huh. Okay. Whereas other tombs were, pyramids were much larger um, and were visible, at least the tops of them were, um, long after the sand had come by and buried uh, what was there from King Tut's. Just so you know. All right. Uh, yep, that was a big deal. Okay. November 5th, 1941, World War II. November 5th, 1941. Um, let's see. So this is before Pearl Harbor. But uh, you're getting warmer. I'm getting warmer. So maybe something to do with Japan and they formulated the plan for Pearl Harbor. Yeah. The order is given to bomb Pearl Harbor, which would happen December 7th, 1941, the day that will live in infamy, I think is what it was called for a very long time. Yep. Obviously still is. So. Yep. Um, yes. Relations between the United States and Japan had been deteriorating quickly since Japan's occupation of Indochina in 1940. The implicit menacing of the Philippines, which was apparently an American protectorate, uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So essentially, um, the actual command was given, and it was top secret order number one. In just over a month's time, Pearl Harbor is to be bond, bombed. Excuse me. Huh. We all have seen the movie. Yep. Maybe not. Uh, it's Kevin a very, really very long movie. movie. Um, I can't get on board with it. I, I think, think it's I, too long. I think I saw it once, and I was just yeah. kind of eh. Kevin's been picking it up a lot, and I, I don't know. I'd rather watch something like Black Hawk Down or Saving Private Ryan. I also Ryan. find, you know, I find a lot of war movies actually very hard now that I think about it. Depending on their level I think of I realism, have a love yeah. Hate. Yeah, I think I have a love-hate. Like, I, it took me a long time to like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. I think it's, I think they're hard to watch. I yeah. Black Hawk Down is very hard it, to watch. It is. It really is. But I it's... think when they focus on a lot outside of war, I'm I have less problem. Like the sure. Patriot, yeah, is that really a whole ton that's about the war? Even well, there's, Hart, a, there's right? a lot of battle scenes like, though in the Patriot. I guess yeah, there's some sad stuff too. And I don't think I've ever sat know. down and watched Braveheart straight through, because isn't it like a three day long movie? Are you? <laughs> I mean, never seen... I, I'm not saying I've never, never seen Braveheart. Seen it, I've never right? I've never seen it start to finish i think that's maybe a problem but that's just <laughs> me I don't, I don't know um uh, an interesting not war movie but an interesting movie that takes place during world war ii and does have war involvement um is atonement have you ever seen that no it's a fascinating movie. It's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily your kind of movie, if I'm being honest. So I'm not surprised that you haven't seen it. Um, but one of the characters does actually go to, to World War II, and there is some, there are some scenes. But there's a lot about another character being a nurse okay, um, during the war and some stuff there. And it's 
uh, the movie in general is really deep and really heavy and very good. Um, but it's, it's showed kind of like what it was all like before and mm-hmm. how kind of happy go lucky everyone was. Was it you who I mentioned the movie Fury to with Brad Pitt? Yes. And I've not seen that. You said I, I should. Yep. And it's on my list. What I have about, it on my um, list. Inglorious Bastards? World War II okay. movie that doesn't. It's a Tarantino yeah. so, movie, so that's, you know, not for everybody, but. Correct. Um, I'd heard a lot of good things about it, and Brian and Kevin and I were stuck at the airport after our uh, line of vacation. Oh, and yeah. And our flight was delayed overnight, so we went to a hotel for the night. And we were all kind of annoyed and not in great spirits and whatever. And Inglorious Bastards was on TV. I saw the edited version of the movie and I loved it. Yep. And Brian was like, it's not even close to what it really is. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, it's like so, watching a, uh, an edited version of Wolf of Wall Street. You just, there's, there's have, no such I thing. I have, yes. I don't know <laughs> if I would like the actual film. I really liked it edited. I think it would be too violent for me. I have some trouble with what people can do to one another, and I think that that movie has a lot of that in it that just sort of kind of messes with Which me. one, Inglorious Bastards or yeah. Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Well, no, Wolf of Wall Street's <laughs> fine. It's just they're just a bunch of idiots. But I think, um, think Inglorious—not uh, Inglorious, but uh, Wolf of Wall Street set a world record for the use of the word fuck. I would think so. <laughs> if there's a movie that has more of it in there, I'd be fascinated to know what it is, but I don't think it exists. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I would probably, I've never actually gone back to watch the real version of Inglorious Bastards and I can't find it edited. <laughs> so I've only ever seen it that once and I liked it a lot and I just don't, I don't really want to ruin it. So I haven't gone back. Christoph Waltz anyway. is really, really good. So good. And I know I've seen him in so much. And I think he's always fabulous. Um, but that role, which I think he won an Oscar for, is just to look that up. terrifying. Oh, yeah. It's just, he, is, he is absolutely terrifying in that role. But in a good so way, good. but in yeah. a horrible way. Right. And I love it. It's so good. <laughs> uh, let's see. November 6th, 1860. November 6th, 1860, that's Civil War period. Um, oh, yeah, this is U.S. politics. Um, Abraham Lincoln elected president? Correct. Yeah. Uh, deeply divided Democratic Party. Uh, he became the first Republican to win the presidency. He received only 40% of the popular vote, but handily defeated the three other candidates. Uh, who were people I don't really know. Stephen Douglas. Yeah, know, that's that's the big one, yeah. Douglas, yeah. Um, yep, and so he was uh, inaugurated March 4th, 1861. March 4th? By that time. Yes, um, I believe that they moved the inauguration to January in the early 1900s. Okay. I don't remember why, but I know, I think that was that there was too much time between the election and the actual governing so i know yeah. they moved it up and i think it was the early 1900s i mean that's the, uh, i mean the, i watched you know obviously we inaugurated a new president you watched the west wing i'll bet they tell you <laughs> um just saying going to washington dc for inauguration in the middle of january and standing outside Ooh. for two and a half hours sounds awful 
I think Bernie Sanders had it right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that meme, that is so how good. I would feel if I yeah. were there. That sounds cold. Yeah. And not like a whole lot of fun. No. Put it out there. Right. Watch The West Wing. Okay. Fabulous. Okay. okay. So, as I was saying, by the time he was inaugurated on March 4th, 1861, seven states had seceded. <laughs> And the Confederate States of America had formally been established. Uh, they had elected Jefferson Davis as their president. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it was just one month later that Fort Sumter happened and the Civil War officially began. Whoops. All right. November 7th, 2000. This is also U.S. politics. Um, well, that would have been Bush and Gore. Um, and... Ooh, ooh. <laughs> the everlasting hanging Chad in the state of Florida. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> yes, it is 100% what it was. Um, and I just remember vividly. I don't, I didn't really get it at the time. I don't think, yeah, I don't think though. we could have because we were 13 yeah. years old and you know, we didn't really have experience with election recounts until again this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was the year of the Chad, and I know there was a lot of mocking of that, but I remember the coverage was pretty substantial as yeah. well. And of course, yeah. um, a lot of people still think Gore got robbed, um, including one of the writers of The West Wing, which you should watch. Okay. Listen, it's the election episode. Yep. That's what we're doing today. Uh-huh. Deal with it. Uh, November 8th, 1895, science. Science. And it's not U.S but I don't know that that would matter to you, to be honest. No offense. Um, science, not U.S. Is it something Tesla-related? Oh, it's not. Okay. That's my only guess. Okay, great. Uh, German scientist Wilhelm Röntgen... Oh, that's my next uh, becomes guess. The, of course. Becomes the first person to observe X-rays. Oh, okay. A significant scientific advancement that would ultimately benefit blah, blah, blah. So this was the first time that X-rays were actually visible. And that, of course, led to the X-ray as we know it. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the actual discovery of the X-rays. (laughs) X-ray. Our listeners can't see your clarification they, with yeah, they fingers, can't see yeah. my little cute little yeah hand <laughs> movement um if you watch ted lasso you'll understand if you say a word too often it doesn't not word anymore enjoy yes I, i'm uh, familiar with that phenomenon they name it there there's okay. a name for it i just don't remember what it is uh november 9th 1965 u.s november 9th 1965 politics ish u.s um politics adjacent Politics adjacent. Um, it's, it's war. I don't know. Well, it'd be the start of the Vietnam War or the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War of some it, degree? No, it's very specific. Oh. You know, you're never going to get this. No. This was not fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I had to do it because it was so fascinating to me. Um, anti-war protest himself on fire. Say that one more time. You, you cut out there for a quick second. Ah, well, that's it's very important to hear this because it's going to astound you. Anti-war protester sets himself on fire. And this happened where? Uh, This particular one was in front of the United Nations headquarters in New York. He died the next day. Surprised it took that long. The fact that it wasn't instant is a little bit 
setting almost in retrospect. He was 22 years old, Roger Allen Laporte. He declared, I'm against all wars. I did this as a religious act. Hmm. Um, this was the second incident within a week uh, of someone lighting themselves on fire uh, to protest the war. It says, um, followed that of Norman Morrison, a 32-year-old Quaker from Baltimore, who lit himself on fire in front of the Pentagon. Um, I was running out of time, so I don't know what happened to our buddy Norman Morrison, but I will hmm. find out. Well, and speaking of being anti-war and taking a stance, not necessarily um, lighting yourself on fire, but Muhammad Ali very famously mm. was against the Vietnam War and lost his right. boxing license over it. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. I had kind of forgotten about that. Oh, here we go. Norman Morrison, yes, did die November 2nd, 1965. Ooh. He had three children. He was older. He was 31 years old. Ooh. Yikes. Sorry, now I'm down the rabbit hole of this, <laughs> yeah. really. Okay. Next, on a slightly lighter note, uh, November 10th, 1969, TV. November 10th, 1969. Um, is it too late for the Beatles debut? We we already talked about the Beatles debut, right? Was it, maybe yeah, was it last no, week? No, I think we talked about Elvis. Yeah, no, whatever. We've Beatles talked, on Ed Sullivan. It's not that. Um, it's not 1969, that. November 10th. Um, I don't know. Sesame Street debut. Oh, Sesame I Street. I told you it was a lighter note. Yeah. Is, um, Lighting yourself on fire and then Sesame Street. Is Sesame Street still on the air in some capacity? Yes, it is. You know, you have small children. Uh, they don't watch it, and really? nor did I, but um, I do know that it's still on the air. And it's still something that a lot of celebrities lend themselves to. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of became part of its big deal was it was cool because cool people were there. Right. And honestly... Um, there have been uh, a lot of uh, sort of issues that Sesame Street has taken on over the years. Like it, it started, um, I would say more, a little more lightly. And then, I mean, I remember they had an uh, HIV character, mm -hmm. um, which was a, a huge deal. And that was probably well after the, the bulk or the, the huge, um, upswing of AIDS, but I think it was, I would think it was even as late as 2000. Hmm. So it was, it was af well after, but it, it's certainly something that they have there. And then I also remember that there was, um, just a couple of years ago, a Muppet whose mom has a, an addiction, hmm. um, because they were talking about the opioid crisis, okay. which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, so. I, I, I don't know that introducing a five or six-year-old to those concepts, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a child psychologist nor a scientist, but um, I can't imagine that a five or six-year-old comprehends exactly what they're trying to convey. I will tell you that um, a couple, was it just last year they did, 2020, they did a fascinating episode on racism. And... Um, kind of prefaced it with this a couple of scientists who said that as early as three years old, uh, children understand the concept of race hmm. and, and how it differentiates people. 
Um, and so I think a lot of their programming is based on this idea that kids actually get this a lot earlier than we think they do. I, I could um, see that because it's pretty objective that, you know, your skin color is different mm -hmm. from my skin color. So we must be sure. different, right? Well, no, that's not the case. I feel like that's an easier concept to grasp than addiction and, you know, HIV positive. Yeah. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm naive. Just the idea. I no, I, I think you're right. I think maybe there's something to be said of we're seeing more and more that kids want to see themselves in media mm -hmm. and see their situations in media. And if you can add situations to media, then that maybe they don't get it right then. Yeah. But at some point, being able to see yourself portrayed a little more is a, a huge bonus. Yeah. No, that, that makes um, sense. I mean, I look at, yeah, a lot of Normalize, the Normalization. But, yeah. I mean, I think that there's a, a ton to be said of people who have just never been able to see themselves in pop culture and anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so hopefully one Muppet at a time. Uh, last but not least, and this does go into next week, 1918, November 11th. Do you know what it is? Uh, it's got to be sports, right? No. No, not no. sports? I was going to say something no. with the Black Sox, but... Um... I'm very sorry. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it is war-related. Uh, so that would be... Wait, what, what's the date? Uh, November 11th, 1918. So that would be the Armistice Day, um, which Correct. is the predecessor to Veterans Day. You are right. The Great War, which was World War One, ended... Um, on the at the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month of nineteen eighteen, so they had negotiated a little previously, um, prior to that, and just made sure that everybody knew what the terms were, and then it officially ended on that day. And I would have been so pissed if I'd have been one of those people who was killed, because there were plenty of people who were killed post we well, decided I, yeah i was i was gonna say like how it's in 1918 you don't exactly you can't exactly send a text to the front line saying hey cease fire um yeah. it takes some time that for that ridiculous? message to get there isn't that ridiculous yeah um so yes i may not be available next week um and we can talk about that on our thursday because i do take out two veterans for veterans day every year there you go boring last year so um, hopefully we'll be able to find another time. But in case we don't get to it, next week is going to be Veterans Day. And this is why. Because the war ended that day in 1918. Yep. Yep. We didn't just pick a random day for Veterans Day like we seem to do for other holidays. A lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, this was nice. There's actually a reason for it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. the same, you know, dates every year. It's a different day. Right. Rotates through the week. But, yeah, it's nice. Right. That's um, all I got. Cool. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of like American war history stuff this week. Yeah, I guess I didn't really say what the what the theme was, but if we had to find one, it would probably be that. That was probably an, an unintentional theme, right? Or was there an intentional yeah. theme? No, some no. no. There's no. There's never usually an intentional theme. Some weeks <laughs> just tend to seem a certain way. But speaking of unintentional, um, while we were recording, my phone rang. And mm -hmm. it was Owen, friend of the podcast, former staff member. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I texted him. I was like, hey, uh, podcasting at the moment. Let me call you back. He mm -hmm. replies mm -hmm. really quickly. I didn't call. Uh, my phone says you did. And I sent him a screenshot of the missed call. Okay. And he sent me a screenshot of his missed calls. And he had one from me. 
at the exact same time. Well, that's weird. What the hell is going on? <laughs> We're past Halloween. Is it a full moon well, tonight? Possibly. No, it's a very little moon tonight, oh, it? I think. It's like a sliver. Weird shit Maybe always happens. Maybe it'll be happens. a full moon tomorrow. I, I swear, like, um, I was umpiring one night uh, over the summer, and it was a full moon, and two things that I've never seen before on the softball field happened. Oh. I can't remember the... What the, were they? Well, I can't you remember the first one. The second one, so um, have you ever been to Mellis Park? You know what where Mellis Park is, Correct. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they have, uh, in their home run fences, um, a feature that not a lot of fences do. They have a little... Um, in right center field and left center field, um, a cutout, I guess you could say, in the fence where they, um, instead of just being a, a you know perfect semicircle across the field, part of the fence comes in and part of the fence goes out so that you can go out easily and get home run balls between innings. Um, oh, okay. Right. So a ball was hit to left center field and mm -hmm. it went directly over this cutout so it went okay. over the first part of the fence but it hit the top of the fence of the back part and went straight down and then spun to the left so it's out of play um uh, i was like i will never ever see that again <laughs> like for it was to it called a home run no i i called it a ground rule double because mm -hmm. i i was completely guessing because it's not covered anywhere in the ground rules um and i was like wait a minute Okay, so it cleared that part, but it didn't clear this part. It hit the bar, came straight down, hit the ground, and rolled out of play. Sounds like a ground rule double to me. So I emailed the um, umpire director after the fact, and I said, here's what happened. I probably should have, in retrospect, should have left out what I called just to see, you know, not to influence him. I told him I called it a ground rule double. He's like, yeah, I agree with that. So other, mm -hmm. other guys were arguing it was a home run because it he cleared part of the fence. He no, why would he do that? Like, yeah, I don't want this guy to... <laughs> yeah, it could be. You never know. Right, sure. What um, was the other thing that happened? I don't remember. Brady, you're an awful storyteller. <laughs> Two things happened I've never seen before or since. But, but I, I only, only remember, remember one, of one of them. Like, bro, you can't do that. Yeah. What are you thinking? Well, come on. Um, so we're going to have to come <sighs> up with a uh, schedule for recording because my referee season unofficially starts this weekend. Putting the uh, got some like kids feeder games. My first high school game is next Monday, not this coming Monday, but the next Monday. So we're here. It's basketball season. Ah, uh, you were so bored last year without it, but guess it was. what? Was that's busy. and that's why the podcast was born was because I, I had know, nothing we to have do. That to thank, <laughs> and we're all very grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like the sun is setting in your bedroom, so. <laughs> yeah, sorry. There are there are some sleeping people in here. I better go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, um next week, um not sure when we're going to record, but uh the Bears play on Monday, so we'll talk sort of a mid-season uh Bears report card kind of um discussion. Uh you know, now that we're halfway through the Bears season, Bears and Steelers on Monday night uh in Pittsburgh. Uh so looking forward to that one. Uh until next time, I'm Brady. And I'm Kelsey. And we'll be back. My girl is banging. She's solo maintenance. Don't need no champagne. Popping entertainment. 